0: Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, 5 Steps to Elevate Your Habits, by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide, created by yours truly, has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. If you're looking to take your business and life to a whole new level and you're committed to investing in yourself, you're invited to apply for one-to-one coaching with me, which you can learn more about at coachwithtyler.com or sign up for the life-changing Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy, where together with our tribe, you'll learn how to elevate your game, make more money and have more freedom. Check out the free masterclass at elevatecoachingacademy.com.
1: Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser.
0: Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I am blessed and grateful to be joined by my friend Bronson Hill today. And in this episode, you are going to learn about not only what the mindset of a high performer looks like, But what it can look like for you, and what story you might be telling yourself that's holding you back, and how you can hack that story and create a story that's not only going to support a greater future for yourself, but a much larger purpose that you can impact the world around you. So, I wanna encourage you to really buckle up. I wanna encourage you to get excited because today's episode is so valuable. And it can really change your life if you let it. And so I want to encourage you to really, really listen closely to this conversation today with Bronson Hill. This is a phenomenal conversation, and I want to encourage you to recognize that Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal growth for high-performing real estate investors. Today is no exception. We've got a phenomenal episode ready for you today. I'm your host, Tyler Chester, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. And before we dive in, I want to remind you uh, to rate, review, and subscribe to Elevate Podcast wherever you love listening to podcasts or watching podcasts. I want to invite you to subscribe to the show, give us a rating and review. And pay it forward because the fee, by the way, this is 100% free and we're going to continue to offer massive, massive value to you. Only thing we ask is that you share this with one friend, one colleague, or one family member. Who is it that you know that would really value or really find a lot of value from listening to this podcast or watching this podcast? I want to encourage you to pause and share this with them right now. That's the fee and we appreciate you being here. And with all that said, I want to introduce you to Bronson Hill. Through his equity investment company, Bronson Equity, he controls over $60 million in multifamily assets. Bronson runs a large in-person multifamily meetup in Pasadena, California called F-I-B-I, Pasadena Multifamily, phoebepasadena.com. Of course, also Bronson understands the investor mindset, and you're going to absolutely see that here in this episode today. Having spoken to an individually over the phone with over 1,000 investors and having raised over $20 million for real estate deals, Bronson is the author of the single best investment strategy during or after a pandemic and is a regular contributor to YouTube and Bigger Pockets, I want to encourage you to really buckle up in this conversation because this conversation is so valuable and it's going to change. I'm I'm telling you right now, it can change your life if you let it. So buckle up and enjoy this amazing conversation with Bronson Hill. Bronson Hill, my friend, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, Tyler. It's really good to be here. Just,
1: uh, you know, two bald guys getting together, talking about real estate and personal growth. I mean, we could probably talk all day about both topics.
0: So just so excited (laughs) to be here with you. That sounds like a a title of a movie that no one would go see. I don't know about you. What do you think? Yeah,
1: yeah, bald to bald real estate. Yeah, probably we would just geek out for a while, but (laughs) we'd have a good time. So
0: You know what I'm picturing in my head? You know, like the two rams that are like charging at each other. They're like locking horns. We're like locking bald heads right now. This is getting weird fast. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it is. It is. But, you know, I guess you're my brother from another mother. But uh, they say that, you know, this is a little bald joke here is they said that God made only so many perfect
0: heads and he covered the rest with hair. Ah, so, that's you know, it. no offense to anybody, but I'm just saying. So you know. <laughs> So this is how we make each other feel better. You know, this is like our therapy session. It we is, probably it is. shouldn't have hit record on this yet, know, but that's okay. Like it's okay, Tyler. It's all right. I know. I know you cry yourself to sleep sometimes, but it's okay. I do too. <laughs> I'm gonna write that down though. This is perfect head. This is a perfect head. So, you know, yeah. it's so funny. Uh, I love that. And you know, it's so funny because when we met originally, we were actually going out to lunch and we were with a group of other people at a conference. And we just really hit it off immediately and we shared so many different, um, you know, interests and just philosophies. So I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm really excited to get to know you better and share your story with Elevate Nation. So before we dive in, if you were to describe yourself in the way that your closest friends or family members, you know, would, what would they say about Bronson Hill? So besides being bald which is
1: obviously an <laughs> easy thing to see um yeah I would say people would see me as somebody who's uh, very focused very driven uh, somebody who cares for others, really wants to make a difference with their life. I feel like I run in different circles. So I've got kind of my friends that are you know, around my faith community that kind of may maybe see me a certain way there. And I lead some things there. There's people that see me a certain way around the real estate group, uh, you know, real estate groups where um, you know I lead a, a meetup in Pasadena, California, where I live. So they may see me a certain way. I've raised, you know, Almost $20 million for real estate. So there's some stuff there. But I think, I think the biggest thing is just being somebody who's approachable, who's warm, who's open to conversation, who's open to learn. And just I think the thing about mindset, I think this thing about you and I, our, our connection is just the idea that we're we're both really hungry to learn and to grow and to know more, both about people and about life, and just knowing that, you know, it, this is nothing is really new under the sun, right? Like it's all been done before. It may look different with all the different you know, TikTok and other things, you know, technologies that are out there, but it's all kind of the same principles. And so if we can just learn how to get in the right headspace and also do the right
0: activities and be around the right people, you can almost can't help, but be successful, right? No, that's so true. And that's that's actually the first thing that I recognize about you is that you are open and you're approachable and you're open minded as well as you're open to different vantage points and you're curious, right? Like you're not only accomplished and you've done what you've done and you continue to grow in that capacity, which I I really align with in terms of your belief and your values towards growth, but also serving other people, but being willing to learn from others and, and open yourself to learn that. So where does that come from, Bronson?
1: Um, I think I don't know. I think it's a good question. I mean, I think as a kid, I've always been, you know, was always curious about how things work, wanting to I would take like doorknobs apart. And my you know, my grandmother one time got me a carburetor and said, Here, Take this apart because I was just so curious how everything works and everything was put together. Not everybody's curious like that, but I think being curious about the world, being curious about people. I had an opportunity in college to live overseas in Africa for about five months. And since that point, I've been to a total now of 34 countries. So I I love traveling, but one thing that culture teaches you and people teach you is that there's not necessarily a right way to do something, right? There's just different ways to do things. So just because somebody does it differently or sees it differently, doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it's different than what you do. So um, I think just having an open mind is, is a humility that just says, you know what, I've, I've always done it this way, but maybe there's a better way, right? I think that if we're open to those type of conversations, then we actually keep improving. Then we actually keep getting better. Then we actually improve our lives. And then we kind of open up to these new ideas. And we're like, man, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't know I could, I could accomplish the things that I'm accomplishing or that I could see myself in a way that's really no different than any other successful person. And that's been a big shift for me is just seeing like, oh, okay, like you know, any successful person I see out there, there's really no difference except that person believed that they were, they, they had the ability to be successful, right? So it's that like internal mind shift. And so I'm sure there's a lot there we could talk about, but I do think a big part of that is just being open, being curious, being, you know, open to different viewpoints because it, it, you, you always can
0: grow. Yeah. And I I could not agree more in terms of travel and the way that that opens your perspective. And sometimes it's almost like you get out of your own little bubble of problems and challenges or even, you know, celebrations that sometimes you need to get out of that to see what's going on with someone else and recognize that, you know what, my little bubble is just that it's just, it's a little bubble. And it's beautiful to see the value that you can gain by understanding that your perspective is one perspective and there's so many others, right? And so talk to me a little bit more about your upbringing, because I'm actually really curious about where, you know, where you came from. And, and, you know, you talked a little bit about how you were curious about how everything works and taking things apart and putting them back together. But it's almost like that innate curiosity of making sense of the world around you. But could you give us some, a little bit more context around your upbringing? Yeah.
1: So I think upbringing does really shape who we are. I'm sure all the listeners, we get each person on there and just learn so much just by hearing how they were raised. So for me, I was actually raised by a single parent. So my dad raised the four of us kids and I was a middle child. And basically I had a lot of freedom to kind of do whatever I wanted to do, but we were very middle-class. We were very, you know, it's like, if I was going to get a car at 16, I would have had, I had to save up money for that. So I started doing a paper route. And so there were things that, you know, whether it was a craft project or it was riding my bike around the neighborhood or golfing after school, taking my golf clubs on, a, you know, riding my bike to the bus station and getting on and go doing like, these were all like options to me. Right. So the idea of just, I had, I guess from a young age realize, Hey, if I succeed or fail, it's going to be based on my efforts and my own ability to find what it is I'm looking for. And so I think that um, some people that maybe they're in a family where, you know, it, it is a little more ideal, but they just don't have to really work as hard to get what they need. I think for me, at a young age, it was, I realized like, wow, if I'm going to, be successful, if I'm going to do what I want to do with my life, it's really up to me. And so I think some ways as parents, and I'm a parent, you know, I have an eight-year-old daughter, is we can kind of shelter our kids in a way where they don't really get to experience maybe the setbacks or failures or things they go through or have to actually work for things that they want. And I think it's it's a challenging thing as a parent. So even for those parents, how do you, in the mindset, how do you, how do you do that where kids do it? So for me, and, and not everybody who was raised in the situation that I was would have turned out, you know, the way that I did. But I think there were some things very positively
0: that I gathered out of that. Have you ever heard the quote, if it is to be, it's up to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it really resonates with me because, you know, that personal responsibility at times is something, it's a great reminder because sometimes we think, well, you know, certain circumstances have to come together for me to accomplish things. And I, I just think it's great that we can bring the power back to us and to say, look, I I control my future. And it does start with beliefs, right? It starts with what I believe is possible, but also having that understanding that we can take responsibility for our futures and we can, you know, really give to other people as a result as well. I think it's a beautiful thing, but does that resonate with you?
1: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I think, yeah, the more, you know, the opposite of that is you're a victim, right? You're a victim of your circumstances that, oh, everything, nothing happens by choice. Everything happens to you. And I think that kind of what you're teaching people with mindset and you're showing people is like, you know what? if you live that way, you're never going to get the life you want because it's always out of your control. And the only way that you're going to get more money is by winning the lottery or a relative relative is going to die or some random thing's going to happen. But the challenge with people that get handed stuff is they just, they didn't really develop the character or the process, the drive, the values to be able to get that stuff. And that's why I think there's this principle. If, if you handle a little bit, well, I think it's a spiritual principle too, is you handle a little bit well, then you'll get more. And it's kind of this idea of stewardship too. And for me, it even kind of a faith thing where it's like, Hey, you know, I, Like I'm here for a purpose, for a reason, and my why really drives what I do. And so as I go for bigger and bigger and bigger things, it's just, it's not, it's an outflow, not of, I want more for me. It's I want more because I want to make an impact and my why drives a lot of that. And so I think that having that idea that, you know, yes, I am in control of my actions. I'm in control of my attitude. I'm in control of what I do. It gives you the ability to really be successful and realize, you know, it was because of hard work. Obviously there's breaks involved, there's other things, but there's that saying too that the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? So it's not just luck, it's not just chance, but the more I work, the more opportunity, the more I I pour into and I I sow seeds of like, I want to grow in this way. I want to experience these things. The more just these wonderful, awesome things happen.
0: And that character that you develop, you know, you think about the path that you've taken, obviously, in real estate, and you've developed a character of obviously delivering results and developing strong and deep relationships with people and helping them connect to exciting opportunities and and opportunities that can help them further their purpose and their mission in life. And, And I do want to get to your purpose and your mission and really get deep on that and really understand that. But it seems that the path that you've taken has started with the understanding of financial freedom and also the understanding of what type of financial intelligence is required to get there and developing the character around those traits, which is ever evolving. And it's always changing, right? The dynamics of the marketplace, the dynamics of the economy, whether it's globally, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, in a, in a general sense of a region or a local you know, uh, microeconomic sense. And there's so many different things that you can really think of there. And there's so many different factors, but that growth is something that I would imagine has been very important to you. So could you talk to me about what is financial freedom to you? And then also the role of the continual evolution of your financial intelligence? Yeah. So,
1: um, for me, I'll just tell you a little story. I, um, you know, I was, I was a well-paid medical professional. I've been doing, you know, medical sales for, for five, eight years. And I started buying single family houses. And my goal was to get to where, um, you know, I could become financially free. I like to write music. I love to travel spending time with people. I want to be able to create stuff and even not even knowing what that exactly would look like. But um, I I had a a relative that was doing multifamily real estate and they basically said, why don't you, why don't you do multifamily? I know you want to buy 30 houses and have, you know, this passive income, but it doesn't sound very passive, right? Like you're going to be doing, you're going to be a full-time job. You leave your job and just go do that. And I, and he, I said, well, I don't have the money to do multifamily. And he said, well, you can raise the money. And so that took me on a path of go to this conference, you know, read this book, start a meetup, do all, and I just did everything he said. He's an uber successful guy has 1400 units, high net worth, all that stuff. And so to me, it just, it opened up this world that I just didn't think was possible. And I think that's when you start doing things that you didn't think was possible, then, and you've literally, I've been doing that job for almost 10 years. And it's like, I finally realized like, oh, wow, I actually could do this full time. I could actually go and scale this and do these things. And so it just was a big mind shift for me to say, okay, like if I really want to have more time. And to me, financial freedom is really freedom of time, right? It's not like we don't need more money. What we really need is to be able to have the time to do what we want to to do with uh, and and to be able to pursue and grow and and travel and do those things. But money allows you to do that. So, but what are you going to do with that time? So that's where kind of the why comes in, right? Like why? Okay. So I want to do all this, but why? And different people have different whys. For someone listening, it might be like, I want to spend more time with my family. I want to travel. I want to write that book I've been, I wanted to write. I've been, I want to do these things I want to work on my terms, not on the way that I'm working 60 hours a week, owning my business or doing other things. And so for me, passive investing and real estate and raising money and doing all this stuff, it basically became that for me. And so uh, one thing that uh, I'm kind of going over a lot of stuff here, but my why I discovered through a process really was to... Uh, really fight against the cause of human slavery in the world, which is a huge hot topic for me. Uh, There's about 20 to 40 million human slaves today, which is just kind of shocking and overwhelming when you hear that number, but it continues to get bigger and bigger and worse and worse. And I just, I feel like until we actually start really doing something significantly towards it, it's going to continue. So to me, my goal is, is raising money, creating awareness, doing these things to help fight for that cause. But then that drives more of the why as well. That's beyond just me. Like, okay, it's great. I need to have a
0: place to live. I need to you take care of my daughter, but this, this why is so much bigger than that. Right. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't even realize how big of an issue that is. And today you would think in the modern age, 2021, you know, that's not an issue, but thank you for raising continued awareness. Is there anything while we're on that topic? Is there anything that the listeners can do or that we can do to continue to raise awareness or make a difference? Yeah, so how
1: I got started in this, I uh, I'll just share briefly. I heard this story. So my my sister is actually she runs an organization called Dressember, which uh, women wear dresses and guys wear ties during the month of December every day to raise money for human trafficking. She's raised over twenty million dollars. So I've raised twenty million dollars for real estate. She's raised it for just for human trafficking. But there was this story this lady shared about somebody being rescued from North Africa. It was this teenage girl, and just it, it was just a heartbreaking story because. I'll just share briefly, there were 50 girls, they were in North Africa, and this group uh, came and said, hey, we're going to get you jobs in Europe. And so basically they put them all on a boat. They actually put them in a shipping container. And on the way over to uh, Italy, I guess, 35 of these girls died because the, um, the filtration system on the container broke. And so, which is just harbor, you know, so then the, so then the remaining girls, they go further South and the, one of these girls they rescued in Greece and she starts, it takes a week or two sometimes before people start warming up, but she warmed up and said, um, yeah, this is my story. This is what happened. And then just when she realized she was being rescued, she just said like, "Well, well, why didn't you come sooner? You know, just like with tears in her eyes. And this woman named Christine Kane said, well, we didn't come sooner because we didn't know you were here. But now that we know that you're here, we'll do everything we possibly can to stop it and create awareness. And to me, it was just like, as a dad, like my heart just broke because I thought like, nobody's out there looking for these girls or these kids or these adults, whoever it is. And, and 99% of them never are rescued. So I just thought for me, like they would probably give anything to be free. Um, and so I think for me, I just realized like that as a cause is worth living and dying for, right? There are things that
0: are worth living and, and for dying for. And that to me is one of them. Thank you for sharing that, because first of all, I think it's our duty. It's every single person listening's duty to become as successful as you possibly can so that you can contribute in this way, right? So that you can give and so that you can not only create awareness, but make a difference for the causes that are important to you. And we all have the capacity to change, you know, the outcomes of so many different things and so many different atrocities or so many different things that we'd like to see better, right? So what is it that you believe should be improved and go out there and do it and believe that it's possible for you? Because that's what we talked about before Bronson, What, which I thought was beautiful was that your beliefs, system was changed in terms of what you believed what was possible in real estate, which is now allowing you to go bigger and really make a difference for people who otherwise perhaps didn't have any hope. And so I just want to honor you for that because I think it's such an amazing, amazing thing. And as you continue, as you continue to go bigger, as you continue to create opportunities for other people, and as you continue to contribute you know, obviously, you've chosen multifamily real estate as your path and your vehicle, not only for lifestyle and all the things that you described, but also contribution. So, what is it that you find so compelling about multifamily real estate in particular?
1: How much time you got? <laughs> I've got a <laughs> lot of lotteries. I'll just I'll just share a few points. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it it really is an unfair asset class, and and I know you're in multifamily as well, so you get this, but. If you're a high earner, I mean, in in California where I live, I mean, the top tax rate is something like 56% or something like that if you're making it. And I know a lot of physicians and they're getting taxed like crazy. And yet, as, you know, real estate investments with the depreciation and be able to accelerate the depreciation, you can basically write off or defer all of the taxes that you're, you know, you're, you're gaining on this and, and at least for five years, sometimes even more. And there's just so many compelling reasons as far as tax benefits alone. But if you look at the stock market, you know, six to 8% average returns kind of historically, including the down years, multifamily, we're seeing, I mean, a bad deal is like eight to twelve percent. And we've had one out of, you know, 12 or 15 turn out that way. Most, I mean, most of them are, you know, 14 to 20% or more. And then we've had a few that are, you know, 30 plus percent per year, you're able to refinance. So it's it can sound a little complex to people that aren't familiar with it. But once you like, once you get, okay, this is just real estate. I'm just putting money in and the ability to really be passive, where you can actually say, Hey, I'm gonna keep working as a doctor or as a lawyer or owning a business or as a professional, you can just put money in and know that, Hey, I'm going to about double my money in five to seven years. Like, I don't know many other investments that you can just kind of passively do that where you vet the sponsor and you vet the deal, but you just know generally, if you put it in, this is generally going to double in five to seven years. You know, it may not exactly, but but that's kind of the goal. And, uh, I've met a lot of people that are, are now are full-time passive investors. That's all they do is they just passively invest. And so Uh, One example is um, of of someone who needs to hear this is I worked with a couple doctors in the past and they both literally made millions of dollars a year, like so several million dollars a year, but they were working 60 to 80 hours a week. So they didn't have freedom of time. So they don't go to work, they don't get paid. So in a way, there's still a time for money trade. And for a lot of people listening, it's like, if you have to go to work to make the money, then you're not really financially free even if you're making a ton of money but if you have this other bucket that's kind of you can just put money over here and you know that it's going to about double every 5 to 7 years eventually that gets going it doesn't take that long it gets going and all of a sudden you've got this freedom where do I want to go to work or how much do I want to work or how do I want to work or you can change that it basically just gives you freedom and a lot of people are so into the rat race it can't really see that that's even possible. So it seems for a lot of people like a very foreign idea, but once you understand it, it's like, oh, this is how it works. And so people often will get into their first deal and then they'll just kind of see like, oh, this makes sense. And then they'll start saying, I want to do more of this because it just, it's so compelling.
0: Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I wanna invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook That's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase cash flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. And enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, I think of the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss and you know, the thought, and if you just look at the cover of the book, you're like, oh, so I'm going to work four hours a week and I'm going to lay in a hammock on the beach the rest of the time. Okay. That's interesting. But you know, what's really interesting that I find is that when you have choice, about how you're spending your time. Typically you're going to make choices that is productive and that, you know, that are productive and that make a difference not only for your life but for others. And when you can choose things that you're curious about and when, you know, you choose things that help you grow, It's amazing. And, you know, multifamily real estate is a beautiful thing. And of course, I know you and I agree to that, but I wanted to ask you that question because there's so many different benefits. And I know you could have gone on for 35 more minutes talking about all the different things you love about it, but you hit the high points. And so thinking about today's market, right, it's a, it's a dynamic marketplace and it has been for, for quite some time, but I'd be curious. I mean, what are you most concerned about in terms of the the current marketplace in particular is there anything that comes to mind
1: um, on particularly multifamily or just in general? With, yeah,
0: with, just with a market? multifamily. And the reason why yeah. I'm asking is because, you know, if you want to allow this vehicle to really serve you, we've got to have a true understanding of the dynamics of the marketplace. And we've got to make, you know, correct and in, and in, in good investment decisions, because of course it, it can be like a double-edged sword, right? If you make the wrong choice, of course, it's not going to serve you in this way. So could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I think there, there definitely are some pitfalls and I think it it does take, you know, some work to feel like you are, you know, with the right sponsor. I think that's probably the first thing is just making sure that you're with the right group. Um, there's a lot of people doing, there's a lot of new people doing it. And it doesn't mean that somebody who's new can't be, say, it wouldn't be somebody that I would invest with. It's just, you know, having somebody on the team that's experienced can be really helpful. Um, you know, who has been at least five, 10 years. It's really helpful to have somebody who's been around it for a while, done deals, gone through different things. Um, Cause usually if there's an issue, a lot of times it's experience or it, it can be based on the sponsors. And also I would say with the deal itself, you um, sometimes you know and, and you've seen it with your background as well people can can overpay you can overpay for a property you can assume things are gonna go to the sky I mean the assumptions people make we talk about being conservative everybody talks about being conservative but there's two metrics that I really like looking at a lot. And one is the rent growth assumptions. So if you're buying in Dallas and Dallas has seen, you know, almost 5% rent growth per year, just meaning every year it's growing 5%, which is huge. But to assume that going forward, I would say is not very conservative, right? So we, we never really project more than two to 3%, you know, on the high end uh, rent growth. So, you know, I'd rather have lower projections um, and really see what the deal is because when I see those 5% or those really 4 or 5% rent growth assumptions, um, I just think they're a little too rosy because if what happens if it doesn't perform, what happens if rents stabilize or they go down? Like, is the deal still going to work? And so really looking at those, that's a big one. The second one is really the cap rate at exit. You know, do is the, do you raise the cap rate when you're projecting the exit? Because right now cap rates are low. It's less favorable in the projections when we raise the cap rate. But honestly, when I, as an investor, I'm a passive investor as well, I'd rather have a 15% IRR and see some upside there of like, oh, these other things, just somebody being very conservative and to see a 22% and then maybe have, you know, not be able to achieve that. So I think for a lot of people, it's just trying to, you know, not just looking at the number itself, but looking at kind of what's behind the number.
0: So could you talk to the folks who are listening who are passive investors or perhaps uh, considering passive investing, maybe some due diligence tips that you might suggest for them as they're considering, you know, not only sponsors to invest with, but deals to invest in.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of things you can do. I'd say talking with other investors uh, is important. Uh, You can ask for a list. It can be a little tricky sometimes for sponsors because you only have so many people that want to take random calls from people and talk for 30 minutes about their investment. But reputation is huge. Sometimes, you know, bigger pockets. If they're at conferences, they're speaking, they've got a podcast, just reputation is a big deal. And if people are treated well, they tend to talk about it. And if they're not treated well, they, they talk about that too. So reputation is big. Um, I just try to figure out, you know, who are the partners in the deal? Um, I would try to say, you know, what, what is their track record in the sense, you know, are they, uh, you know, where are they doing deals? So we're working with a, a, a deal right now. Um, my partner's on at Elkhorn Capital. They've have over 2000 units in Oklahoma City, including two Other large apartments that are a half mile from the property that we're working on. So, like that's a that's somebody's got quite a bit of experience in this one area. They've shown multiple exits, and, and there's just I think it's it's again it's it's just looking at it like a business. Like how likely is this to succeed? Well, if you've done it before, you've seen an exit, you've seen the returns there. It's okay. That's you can see it's there, and if there's some variance, which usually there is, like maybe somebody's got you know, three deals or four deals they've exited, maybe three of them have been, you know, fin fine and one hasn't worked out as well. Well, how bad did that one not work out this well? And I think a question I ask is, well, what hasn't gone well in a deal? And if it's always all rosy all the time, then either they don't have the experience and they're, or they're just not being honest with you. And I think the biggest thing for me is just, you know, when people share bad news, it builds trust. And that's a, that's a quote from Ken McElroy. It's like when people share, when things are not going well, it's a trust building thing versus when they hold things back. So I think those are big things. There's some gut stuff in there as well, just as far as, do you feel like you resonate with this person? You feel like they're being honest with you, but a lot of times you don't really know until you get into a deal. So sometimes maybe put the minimum in rather than, you know, 5%, 10% of your net worth or put 500 K and we've had people do it, but I, I always think, you know, kind of get started with a little less is good. And then you can kind
0: of see how it goes and put more in later. Yeah, that really resonates with me when you shared, when people share bad news, it builds trust, right? It, because, you know, what 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 type of character are you exhibiting by withholding information? I don't know about you, Bronson, but I can feel when something's bad is going on in a deal. If you don't hear anything, you can already guess what's going on. And you can almost infer a little bit more about that that individual's character. And perhaps, you know, you can infer if you're going to make a decision on doing a deal with that person in the future. But does that resonate with you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it 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 it's it's all about at the end of the day, and you know, you're not being sold something. You know, nobody wants to be sold, right? I don't want to, you know, go to a car lot and say, hey, you look great in this night, nice 1970 whatever Cadillac, whatever it is. It's like, no, I want to be, I I want I wanna be have somebody who, you know, I want someone to treat me as a friend and say, hey, I want to help you. And you know, if you if it works for us to work together. Great. But if I refer you somewhere else, I mean, it's, it's a very trust building thing. And at the end of the day, people really want to know that you're really there for them. And I think I, that's something that I try to do. And, and to be really honest, I have to check my own motives on that sometimes. Right. Because like I am, I'm incentivized and biased to want to get people, all of the people that I talk to into my deals. And I think they would be really helpful. I think they're great deals, but sometimes it doesn't serve them well. So it actually is better to say, no, you know what, let's, let's hold out. Or instead of doing this amount, you should do less, or maybe you should, you know, talk to Tyler and do one of his deals because they're doing great deals. And, you know, it just makes sense based on people's parameters. And I think that, um, you know, it's something we all need to be aware of when we talk to people because you know, we're all biased, but particularly also too, if you're an active investor or you're, you're somebody talking to investors, I've talked to over a thousand individual investors and you just need to be very aware of like, you know, what really is best for this person. You have to check your own heart
0: in that too. Yeah. And, and one of the things that really shows up for me when you describe that is I'm thinking about long-term relationships, right? Because what you're talking about is transformational relationships rather than transactional relationships. And when you advise someone perhaps against what's in your best interest, but it's in their best interest. I think that's a deposit for a long-term relationship. What else comes to mind in terms of deposits for long-term relationships from you, Bronson? Well, I got
1: goosebumps when you started talking about that, Tyler, It was just like transformational relationships. And that's really what it is. I mean, my, my idea of working with investors is really the partnership model is that, you know what we may, you know, somebody may invest 50 K now, but I want them to like five years from now, I want them to say, you know what, I've had a phenomenal experience. These guys have communicated well, you know, things in the deal went, went well, it performed well. You know, there's obviously in every deal there's some things that go great. Some things maybe don't go as well, but they're, you know, overall it performed well. The communication was good. I reached out, they were there, they were consistent. And I've invested again, maybe I've referred my friends and family. And I'm raving about these guys because I just love working with them versus, you know, people work so hard to get investors and they work so hard to raise money. And then people have a terrible experience, right? They get into a deal and the communication not there and the performance isn't there. And they're like, what are these guys doing? And, and it's just, I think that it's, and I, we've actually had some investors where we've just kind of said, you know, I, I just don't think this is a good fit for you based on knowing that it like they're they're a little difficult to work with for what we're doing, like their temperament or maybe the way we work together. Like sometimes it's actually better to not work with somebody than to be in a business deal with them for five to seven years and realize this just isn't gonna work. So I think the idea of what you're talking about, transformational relationships is I want people to be better off in every way. I want them to, you know, succeed in every area of their life. Now we're working on real estate, we're not working on, you know, marriage counseling or things with their kids or whatever, but but I feel like life is transformational, right? If I live a life that's transformed in different ways, if I'm growing, if I'm learning, if I'm finding a way to be of service to others, then that really comes out in every way. And what happens is people start to see you more as you're this person that just is really trying to make a difference. And so um, I have this kind of spiritual belief that we're, we're all agents of light and wherever we go, wherever we can shine that light, whatever, you're a teacher, you're a, a, a pastor, you're somebody who, you know, is, it works, you know, as a lawyer or as, as a real estate person, we're all just really, it's, it's a calling, right? To be this light and be this help. And for some people, this might be a little bit, you know, distant. I don't even know what you're talking about, we're talking about real estate, but I think it all relates because people can read when you're you're genuine and they can read when you're a fake And it has to be genuine for you to be successful long-term in this, because even if you fake it and you're like, I haven't tried care for people, whatever, like people know if it's real or it's not. And we know that from friendship. We know that from family members, how we relate with them. And we want to be around the people that are truly saying, Hey, I want you to succeed in every
0: way that you, you need to. And I want you to be everything that you were made to be. Right. Because eventually that authenticity shows up or the truth comes out, right? Because if you can't, if, if someone doesn't feel that, you know, energy that maybe isn't totally truthful in the moment and they make a decision based on a false premise, eventually the truth is going to come out, right? So why don't we just cut that out and just be truthful in the beginning? And so I just think that's so important. And we were talking about transformation, right? Transformational relationships, but I want to talk about transformation as a human being and as a person, because that's what personal growth is all about. That's what really, you know, evolution in business and in life is all about, is about continuing that evolution. One of the things that you and I connected on immediately, Bronson, was our love for continuing to challenge ourselves and, and having that competition with ourselves and continuing to grow and become that next version of ourselves. So could you talk to me a little bit about why personal growth is so important to you and, and what that looks like for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, personal growth, I haven't always been, I would say as into personal growth, I think the last four or five years I've been really solid heavy into it because I've realized that the people that I respect, the people that I value, a lot of these people read two, three hours a day. I mean, they're reading all the time. They're learning, they're devouring stuff because There's so much information out there. I've started, you know, doing a lot of historical biographies and different things. And I just think, well, what would I do in this situation? What would happen in this, you know, if I were there and I were, you know, the president back, you know, in Abe Lincoln's time, like, how would I handle that? I mean, just thinking like, you know, these are really challenging circumstances, but you're able to really kind of grow from these other people that you've either been around physically or you've, you know, kind of encountered how they would handle certain things. But again, I think it goes to the idea we were talking about of openness, continuing to have the idea that I can become whatever I want to become or whatever's out there for me to become. And Just because you were, you know, here's one example. If you were raised in a poor family and you, you know, nobody's ever gone to college or anything and and you said, you know, I want to be successful. Like there's, it's really that belief. And it's not just something that I say, but I see it in people. I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday about this, about, you know, what you're saying to yourself is who you're becoming. And it's just a story that we're making up. So when you say, oh, I'm never going to do this or I'm never going to be this person, that's, that's literally just a made up story that you're telling yourself and people are unaware of it. So if I say like, oh, I'm just really stubborn and clumsy, well, you're actually saying that's actually becoming a creative force in your life and you're actually saying or prophesying, this is what I'm going to be in the future. Versus changing your language. And I'm a big person on affirmations and really bringing those words around you and the goals and the things that you want to see. Because if you speak those things out, like they begin to actually become physical, tangible things. And I've seen that in my life. Again, this can sound a little woo woo, but it really is everybody that has become successful um, has some sort of, you know, people around them that are at the next level. They have certain practices they do. They visualize, have a vision board. Uh, There's a great book. A lot of people probably read it. You've probably talked about on the show a lot. Think and Grow Rich, the idea of the mastermind, you know, getting around people that are very successful. Almost every single one of these people that Napoleon Hill uh, interviewed that were very successful, they all had this group of people around them that were peers that were kind of pushing them on. And so there's just things like that that you see that really become Transformational, and so any area of your life that you want to improve, if you believe that you can't change it, it's it's like that fixed mindset, right? It's you can't change it. Versus if it's if it's all growth mindsets, well, anything can change. I can change any of it. If I'm depressed, if I'm discouraged, if I'm overweight, if I want a better marriage, if I'm divorced and I want to get married, like you can you can basically you want to be a better parent. Any of these things can change. It's just you have to believe that it's in your control, and that as you take those steps, that it actually can
0: change. That is so good. So good. And what you're talking about is changing the story, right? You can change the story that we may be conscious of, or it may be unconscious, right? It may not be something that's showing up in our conscious thoughts, but it's a belief system, perhaps that's underneath the surface. And so what you're talking about is it's like guerrilla marketing from every different angle in terms of changing this story. You're talking about personal affirmations. You're talking about vision boards. You're talking about surrounding yourself with people who support a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. What else? I mean, what do you do to change that story and to support the story of the vision that you have for the future of Bronson Hill?
1: Well, I think it, you know, it has to come back to what do you value and what is the vision of what needs to get done in your life? And the bigger it is, uh, the more intentional you need to be about it. Right. So I I go to the last couple of years, I've been to a goals retreat really for two and a half days. You just go and you set goals and, and, but there's a process, not just of setting goals, but really clarifying your values. Cause if I'm like, I value ending human slavery in the world, that's a big, huge goal. There's $150 billion a year criminal. It's the second, probably the second most, Uh, wealthy. And, and, you know, it's a huge, huge thing. And I feel like I've, I'm just getting into understanding what that really means and what that is. And I've been involved in different ways, but it's huge. But if I want to change that, then I've got to actually start to say, what tangibly am I going to do today? And I can't do everything, but what can I, what can I do? Who can I, so with my church group, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bring people, I'm going to start a group that's going to create awareness about this, or I'm going to give, and I'm going to go to these events. And when my sister who's involved in this, you know, when she goes to India, I'm going to go with her and I'm going to go see, I'm going to hear some of these stories in my Like there's certain things I need to do because then again, I'm going to be able to get there. So for someone's life, it's like, Hey, I want to become financially free. I'm not at a place where I've got to go to work and I I want to get out of this. And maybe somebody's listening to this on a jog or they're in their car and it's just, they want to change it. Well, the goal is you have to see a different future and then you've got to keep it right in front of your face. And so that's why affirmations, uh, just the last four or five years, I've literally been speaking that, oh, I'm this type of person. The times when I've felt the most insecure, when I felt the most uh, vulnerable different ways, well, I'm speaking things that are like, oh, I'm, I'm strong and I'm confident. I'm loved and I'm whole. And I'm mean, these things that I, I, I really want to be true for my life. And the more I've said that, the more my subconscious has received that. I'm like, oh, this is the person that I am. I am. And the universe has its way. If you live as a certain person and you're consistent all the way through, you will be treated that that's the person that you are. And so it's amazing how fluid, you know, we can change our belief system. We can change what we put in front of us and we can change how the world interacts with us and even how we interact with ourselves. And you've seen this, I know Tyler, cause I mean, just, I can tell in the way we talk and I mean, just it's, it's all possible. And once you get that, like, I think there's this quote by Steve jobs that says like, you know, once you realize that like the people that created everything you see are just like no smarter than you and I, but they kind of decided to do it, then like nothing really becomes impossible, right? Like you kind of know, like, well, if they did it, like, and and so that's huge. So anybody you see doing something, you're like, oh man, I wish I could do that. You need to change your mind. Like the way you say it is like, oh, I could be doing that. And what would it, what would it take for me to become that person to do that? And that's why this personal growth stuff, it, it can get you to that next level.
0: And it really resonates with me as well because you think about it, and I don't know if you've recognized this or not, Bronson, but the, the more and more people that I interact with who are ultra successful they're really still figuring it out themselves as well. And so there's a story that many people have that says, well, I can't do what Steve Jobs did, or I can't do what so-and-so is doing because they're smarter than me, or they have more resources than me, or they have X, Y, and Z that I don't have. And that's a story, right? And so we're talking about an identity that we can create. And so we don't have to be the default mechanisms of our environment. We can actually create our future by going through this process and by you know supporting ourselves by setting up an environment and being intentional about what's in front of us and what are we reminded of on a consistent basis, because what we remind ourselves of is what we become. And so one of the things that you know, really resonates with me as well on this, on the note of this conversation is habits, because I believe that habits are kind of the operating system towards supporting a future identity or even our current identity. Maybe there's some lagging indicators there. Are there any really important habits that you've set up or installed in your life that have supported this future identity as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's habits are huge. Uh, there's a book, I think we've talked about this book, uh, Tyler, the book called the slight edge where it's like the little habits you make today, tomorrow, you know, they don't either positively or negatively. And you know, if you smoke, you know, it won't kill you today, tomorrow, or this year, but you know, in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, it could. And so same with positively. If you, if you work out consistently, it's not, you're not going to see it right away, but you are going to see results over time and you're going to significantly benefit your family. Everybody's going to benefit. So, um, so I think like your question the idea of what habits specifically can you do I think I think goal setting is huge I think taking time away and I mean Henry Ford has this quote about you know thinking is hard work that's why very few people do it and if you think of it most people when they get to their mid 30s 40s or older We stop making goals. We stop reading books. We stop actually applying ourselves to do bigger and better things. So I would say to anybody who's just kind of doing what they do is to take some step back and just say like, well, what do I, what, what is possible and what do I want to do? And so I think kind of that reflection on a, even on a, on a week to week basis, just to how did it go this week? What are the things that are happening? What do I want to change? Um, But I think um, one one just kind of really practical habit I do is I make a to-do list literally every day. So here's my to-do list. And it's just like, I write on the left side all the things I need to do. And then I put my schedule on the right side and I do it the night before. And it's just like, it keeps me... I'll take it from my my calendar on my phone and I'll just put it in there. And it just, it helps me to just, okay, this is what I need to get done today. Because I realize like, and, and if I can't get it done, I'll just carry it down to the, next, to the next side. But I try to create little rewards. You know, if I get this thing done, then I don't know, like for me, what's fun, I'll go on a run or I'll have a beer. Or I'll do whatever these little like tiny rewards are. It's like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this fun thing or until I get this certain activity done. So I guess there's some habits there that, um, you know, just being very practical and, you know, everybody's got, different things that could be rewards for that, I
0: guess. Yeah. I like to bring up habits from time to time just to remind the listener or to bring to the forefront that we can actually create them, right? We don't have to be the default of, you know, society or what have you, or what, you know, because we're habitual creatures, right? So how can we create what we want and put our transformation on autopilot, right? We've been talking about transformation this entire time, whether it's for ourselves or for other people. I just think it's an amazing and exciting that we have all this within our own responsibility and within our own grasp to create whatever it is that we want. But Bronson, what an amazing conversation. I've really, really enjoyed this. I wanna transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon, right? It's about making uncommon choices. It is about thinking, right? Maybe this is an uncommon activity. Maybe we're thinking a little bit here, but I'd love to know if you pointed to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, and I'm really excited to ask you this question because you're such a widely read individual, what would those be and why?
1: Yeah. So one is called never split the difference, which is a book on negotiations. I, you know, you've read that book as well, but it just talks through um, this guy was an FBI negotiator and he just talks through just, you know, crossing the street as a negotiation, you know, talking to your spouse and like everything we do is a negotiation. So how do you express what you want and also create win-win for people in your lives? And I think that's, it's a really great book. So I recommend that one. Um, there's been a number over the years. I personally, this is more of a personal Uh, Development book, but uh, Brené Brown, anything by Brené Brown is awesome. There's a book called The Gifts of Imperfection, which when I read it, it was I just had to read a page or two and just like journal the whole thing and then just put it down for a day. It was just it was so powerful to me because it really combines in a way for me it combines spirituality and just kind of wholeheartedness or combining emotions and processing through difficult things. And it was it just really brought a lot of things together for me. So I've seen a lot of business growth like there's almost been a direct correlation. When I have a breakthrough in my personal life, my business, I just have some big breakthrough over there. Like it's, it's, it's like, I, they seem like unrelated, but it's just amazing how that's happened. So sometimes I feel like the real work is going inward and just growing and learning and facing some of those things that we haven't faced or whether it's childhood or even generational things of just like, just trying to process and work through this stuff. And then all of a sudden you've got these new tools that you can apply to business and it just opens up more
0: possibilities over there. Man, you are like selling elevate right now because we are all about <laughs> personal growth. I'm telling yes. you, man. That's so good. And sometimes people, we lose sight of that. You know, sometimes we we get so caught up in business growth that we don't realize that the root cause perhaps of our growth is is how we're growing as an individual. So such a powerful reminder. Thank you for that, Bronson. That was amazing. Aside from what we've already talked about today, what's what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily daily basis?
1: Um, I think on a daily basis, I have regular practices that I do. I mention my affirmations. You know, me, I have my my spiritualities. So I spend time in prayer. I I you know read the Bible, and I do, you know people have different. It doesn't have to be somebody who reads the Bible, but just you have certain things that you create space for yourself that you're reflecting and you're learning. And I think there's a humility that happens when you do that when you have. Whatever, if you have a higher power, you're basically saying, like, you know what? I don't have this all figured out. And I think there is a mystical element of this as well. And so, it, not to go against what we said that you have, you are in control of your life, but in some things, we're not in control of our life. So, how do we? how do we balance those things out as we create this space for reflection, we create this space for spirituality and it allows us to be open, to be like, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm going this direction, but you know, maybe like it's 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 kind of this idea of being very driven, but also being very open, right? Because those yeah. are they're not always mutually exclusive. You can both be very driven and also be like, I'm just really trying to find what the right thing is here. I'm really looking for my purpose. I'm really looking to have some help in these areas. And so when those things come together, I think it is really powerful and then you see this breakthrough and you're like, oh, wow, I think I get this now. So I think that having some sort of spiritual practices uh, have been awesome. I think having a community around you, like I have my entrepreneurs group that we do, you know, talk about all different issues and different things. I have my men's group, my church, and we talk about life and we just get really into the nitty gritty. And it's, and, and like, you know, they're great for different reasons, right? Like they're really, really great. I think having people around you
0: is really important as well. So there's a number of things there, but I think those are a couple that help me a lot yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff there. and what was what was coming up for me as you were describing the spirituality practice is almost like, paddling out and letting the waves then take you. Right. It's like, so we've got to put ourselves there, but we've got to be open to allowing, you know, some forces that are larger than ourselves carry us through because there's some amazing momentum and there's some amazing things that are maybe bigger than we could ever have imagined that can take us to places that we've never imagined if we let it. So I think that is such a great reminder and and everything that you shared there is beautiful. So thank you for that. But what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Bronson?
1: Um, I think honestly, the biggest way we can elevate others is, is having an openness and really seeing people because a lot of times we see people all the time. Like we, we can, we can actually just like, you know, we see them around us, but we don't really see them. We don't really see who they are. We don't really get like, Oh, you know what? This person's actually having a hard day. They're actually going through something or, you know, actually this person is in the middle of whatever they're in. And so just being aware that not everybody is going through what we're going through, or if we're on a super high, they may not be an eye. So just being aware of people around us. And I think also, too, like I did with my my friend, just saying, you know what, this story, you're you're telling this story about yourself, that this is who you are, that you're oh, you're just somebody who does this, or you're not organized, or you're clumsy, or you're you don't do this and work, whatever. Well, you know, this is just a story. And once you start kind of flipping that switch for people, like not everybody's gonna get that, but I think it's a way that we can help people just to say, you know what, this is changeable, this is figure outable. You can, you can, you can. Change anything you want. But if people don't believe that, or they don't know it's possible, then it's not possible for them. Right.
0: So I think that's a big one. Yeah. It just reminds me of there's a book and it's called, or I don't know if it's a book, but it's a phrase, but everything is figure outable. Right. I mean, yeah, I think it's a book. A, I think it's a book. Is yeah. it a book? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll, we'll link that in the show notes. But uh, my goodness, Bronson, what a great, great conversation. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there any other parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation today?
1: Yes. I just want to say one thing I, I do really appreciate and want to honor you, Tyler. I just, I love that you are personally really engaging yourself more than just, Hey, I'm doing a podcast or I'm doing real estate. Like you are, this is your own personal labor of love. So I see that. I want to recognize that and really honor you for that. And for your whole community, because it's, it's obvious. It's very genuine, just in knowing you, seeing you in person, talking with you. And that's amazing. But uh, the one, I think parting thought that's helped me a lot Um, for, you know, this is just for people that are trying to take themselves to the next level is to find people in your life that are valuable people that you're getting value from and make yourself valuable to them. So what that can look like is saying, hey, what's the biggest challenge in your business? Or what's an area that you need help with in this particular area? Now, don't go to somebody who's really successful and say, hey, I want you to mentor me or what, like, I mean, that's it's okay, you can do that, but but really trying to help solve a problem for somebody who's doing big things, that can open up huge doors both for them as well as for you personally. So I think that's a that's a huge kind of tip that I'd recommend for
0: people. No, that's so good and and I just I just want to re-highlight that making yourself valuable to valuable people. I mean, what a bold and golden really offer for the audience to really apply that to their life immediately. Thinking about how can you give to someone else? Because it's not just about us, right? It's about how can we offer value to someone else? And we have so much value. This has been such an amazing conversation, Bronson. Thank you again for being on the show. The best way for people to reach you, could you tell the audience about where they can find you?
1: Yeah. I love, I love to connect with people, whether it's uh, people that are, you know, mindset, real estate, any of the above investors, either active or passive. You can go to bronsonequity.com. I've got a free ebook. That's the single best investing strategy during and after a pandemic. And so it's very compelling about just some of the ways you can position yourself to do well during this time. So, but Tyler this has been been amazing, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a lot of fun.
0: You bet, my friend. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you soon. Oh my goodness, Elevate Nation! What a great conversation with Bronson Hill. Such a phenomenal individual, and such a heart-centered individual, and somebody that I just really appreciate. And I've got to give him a huge shout out because man, he's giving me the kudos. But you, you want to talk about somebody who is authentic? He's true. He's trustworthy. That's the guy right there, and um, that's the type of person that you want to align yourself with. That you want to consider opening up your mind and, um, you know, listening, listening to and learning from and, and allowing yourself to develop a transformational relationship that has been such a, a central theme of this conversation is not only transformation through mindset and through growing as an individual, but also developing that trust and that transformation with other people and really holding that centerpiece of real estate and of this business, which is relationship, you know, really so high and so of of such importance. And so I just really want to encourage you to re-listen to the show because there's so much value here. There's so much that you can apply to your life that you can apply to your story, right? Because we were talking about story. We're talking about identity. We're talking about who do we believe ourselves to be. And this episode can really help you not only create a new story, but even refine your story and refine where you're going. Because if we don't know where we're going, then guess what? We're going to go somewhere, right? We've got to understand what is it that we believe is possible. And I just want to encourage you not only to re-listen to the show, but identify what are your top three key takeaways and really share this with a friend because the teacher sometimes is who learns the most. So what can you do to grab this link or grab this episode, wherever you're listening or watching and share this with a friend and tell them what are the top three key takeaways that you got from listening to this episode so that you can understand, well, what are their top three takeaways? Because paying it forward is a beautiful thing. I also want to encourage you to re-listen to the show because repetition is the mother of all skill. And most importantly, take massive action on what you learned today. Until next time, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you
1: for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.